episode 21 of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Joe D'Aluizio here, as always. Thank you so much for listening. For those of you who are new to the podcast, thank you for finding us. Welcome aboard. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And if you follow me already on Twitter, you could probably tell that I was very silent on Sunday night because of how terrible the Green Bay Packers played against the 49ers. Of course, getting absolutely demolished, outplayed, outcoached, dominated 37-8 in a disgusting game. Obviously, we will dive deep into that game for uh, much of this podcast, and we'll talk about the Niners and what they did well. We'll talk more about the Packers and what they need to do in the final stretch of games. We'll get to all of that, but a relatively busy podcast, as always. I'll peel back the layers a little bit, a little behind-the-scenes information for those of you who don't know how this works. With Thanksgiving fast approaching, studio time here in New York City very limited. So with that being said, usually on the recap, I like to talk about the week 12 headlines or the week, the weekly headlines, run through the scores, give you a quick analysis, give you a quick nugget on each game. We will not be doing that this week. Um, instead, we will recap, obviously, the 49ers game. And then at the end, I will talk a little bit about the Giants. Not much because Green Bay remains on the road. They travel to New York. Um, actually, New Jersey where the Giants play. But uh, they travel from West Coast to East Coast this week to take on the Giants. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And because I'm thankful, I'm thankful for the listeners. I'm thankful for you guys interacting with me on a consistent basis for listening for being wonderful fans, for being wonderful people. I'll give you my three picks of the week. I'll give you my three picks of the week. I went two and one last week. So again, if you're following, we're still in the green. We're still doing well. So hopefully the momentum continues. But let's start with Sunday night's disaster. Let's start with the lack of urgency. Let's start with not being prepared. Let's start about not, let's start about being outcoached, phrases that we're hearing a little too often, too late in the season, I think, at this point. And you may be saying, wait a second, though. How are you going to say that when the Packers still are in first place in their division and still are 8-3? and three? Well, I'll say this. For a team that came into this game coming off a bye, as healthy as they were, this is unacceptable. I mean, this is your this is your shot to be able to go into San Fran, to be able to hang with the big boys of the NFC, to show your dominance. And you got absolutely embarrassed on national television. If you would have told me that Green Bay entered this game, because they played this game as if They've played three games over the last 10 games. Everyone's banged up. That's what that score looks like. This doesn't look like a team that was well-rested, that was prepared, that was ready to battle. San Fran came out from the start and dominated the Green Bay Packers. All sides of the ball, offense, defense, special teams, everything. They wanted it more. They proved to be the better team. On Sunday night. They proved. 
why they are the top team in the NFC. They proved why they are legit contenders in the conference. I mean, it was pretty indicative of how the game even started for the Green Bay Packers that we were in for a long night. Okay, Rodgers gets knocked on his behind, fumbles the ball, one play later, 49ers run it in, early lead. The first four drives for the Green Bay Packers, they ran 14 plays. They had three out of the four drives for three and outs. For a combined minus nine yards. The offense couldn't get it going at all. And first of all, the offense played terrible. But kudos to the San Francisco 49ers and their defense. Because that front that they have is unbelievable. The quickness, the athleticism, the talent that that overall unit has is something else. Because at, at all points, they seem to, to be in the backfield or on Aaron Rodgers immediately. And forget it. Once Brian Balaga went down with his knee injury, and luckily, he should only miss a few games, a couple weeks. He avoided a major knee injury, which is, uh, which is a good thing, obviously. But the minute that he went down and Alex Light came into the game, My goodness, you want to talk about men playing against boys. That's what it looked like. And this is is a little concerning. Overall, forget about Alex Light, because I don't know if we're going to see much of him, and I don't expect to see much of him down the road, no matter how long Balaga is out. You already heard Matt LaFleur say, we're going to put our best five out there, so expect some guys to be moving around, Billy Turner here and there, filling some positions. But what's disappointing here with this offensive line is at one point, earlier in the year, they looked really, really good. Rodgers was able to sit back, find an open receiver, and now, week by week, the offensive line continues to struggle. And you lose a guy like Balaga, and even though it's going to be a few weeks, a couple of weeks, hopefully not more than that, Guys got to step up. Guys need to be better. Sticking with the offense. Richard Sherman, he came out and said our goal was to stop Aaron Jones. Because as I've said on on this podcast, and I think it's pretty obvious and and the, the national media would agree, when Aaron Jones and the Green Bay Packers could run the Run the ball. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, that combination, when it's working, everything opens up. The playbook is wide open. It makes it so much more difficult for defenses to stop Green Bay. Sherman comes out and says, we we got the goal was to stop Aaron Jones and we knew we'd be fine. And they did that. But this is episode 21, and I think I've said this on every single episode. When I talk about the wide receivers, who is going to step up? Who is going to step up for this team at the wide receiver position? Geronimo Allison? That ship has sailed. At this point, it's a damn shame. 
because Geronimo Allison showed so much potential just a couple years ago that you would have thought the departure of Randall Cobb, this is a great opportunity for Geronimo to make a name for himself. The only thing we're getting consistently out of Geronimo Allison is drop passes. I think as a team, the Packers have nine drop passes. To me, that number seems pretty low. Geronimo Allison has accounted for one-third of them. And you could you could almost guarantee that he will drop a pass on a third down. And I'm not saying a tough pass, an easy one that hits him that hits both hands. It's frustrating. And what about MVS? What where is MVS? What happened to MVS? Him and Rodgers seem to not be on the same page way too often. And in Sunday's game, the only time that they were on the same page was when Rodgers hit MVS out of bounds in the end zone. That's when they were on the same page on a play that didn't even matter because he was out of bounds. What is going on? Who is going to step up? MVS only played in 38% of Green Bay's offensive snaps on Sunday. He has two catches, eight targets, and 11 yards in the last four games. What does that say about MVS? What does that say about his role on this team? And yes, you could go back to Rodgers' quote just a couple weeks ago that everyone has their their role, and when you know each week it's someone new, and when you're called upon, you come up and you show up. There needs to be consistency here, though. Everybody knows that they need to cover Devontae Adams. Somebody has to be able to break out of a route early, get open. It's not happening. It's not happening. By the way, sticking with the wide receivers at this point, you might as well just throw Alan Lazard out there as your number two and let it fly. Because he somewhat comes up with a play here and there. He doesn't light up the stat sheet, but it seems like he's getting the ball, and when he gets the ball, it is for a big game on a consistent basis because the rest of them aren't showing up. And by the way, can someone explain to me what's going on with Ryan Grant? Now, I'm not going to sit behind the mic and, and, and proclaim that adding Ryan Grant would save the Green Bay Packers season. But you're telling me you bring in this veteran at a time when Devontae Adams was out, when you needed depth at the wide receiver position, you bring him in, and we have yet to see him on the field? Is he that bad that he can't even get on the field when the offense is producing the way they just did? Come on, unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. Right when Green Bay, we thought Green Bay was getting better when it comes to third down conversions and playing better on third down, Sunday was a disgrace. 
Sunday was absolutely abysmal for Green Bay on third down. One for 15. How? There is zero chance you could even compete with that kind of efficiency. Lack of efficiency. I mean, Green Bay has talked about it all season long. About eliminating the negative plays. Do you realize they had 13 plays that either gained no yards or lost yards in Sunday night's loss? Brutal. It is absolutely brutal. I'm getting a sense that Matt LaFleur is out-coaching himself right now. I'm getting a sense that Matt LaFleur is overthinking. Overthinking the process, overthinking the game plans. Let's talk about Aaron Jones a little bit, too. I know I mentioned him earlier, but what happened to Aaron Jones and his production in the past game? You look back at the month of October. Aaron Jones accounted for 22 catches, 280 yards, and three touchdowns. In the month of November, and as the date that we are recording, it is November 26th, he has one catch for negative one yards and zero scores. Why isn't he involved more? Look at what you were doing earlier in the season. Look at how effective the offense was during that stretch of just a few games ago. What was working? Repeat it. I don't think it's that that difficult. Green Bay should have... Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams on the field simultaneously together way more than they do on this offense. It just doesn't happen enough. It's a mismatch nightmare for defenses. And if the wide receivers are going to continue to not produce, even more of an excuse to throw both tailbacks out there. I hope we start to see more of that. Transitioning over to the defensive side of things. I thought early on, The defense looked somewhat decent. They were able to get pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. This is a 10-point game for what seemed like a long, long time. But the the coverage, the line specifically in the middle of the field and the linebackers needs to be better. The coverage over the middle has been atrocious all season. And at this point, at this point, if, if the opposing team has a half-decent tight end, they're going to have success against this Green Bay team. A half-decent tight end. Because Green Bay cannot cover the position. They've been absolutely abysmal covering the tight end position. The last five tight ends to face the Packers, Darren Waller, seven catches, 126 yards, two touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, four catches, 63 yards, one touchdown. Henry, seven receptions, 84 yards. Greg Olson, eight receptions, 98 yards. George Kittle, six receptions, 129 yards, one touchdown. Average per game over the last five tight ends, six and a half catches, 100 yards, 0.8 TDs. You have a half decent tight end, you're going to have success against this team. By the way, Kittle, 6 for 129 and one touchdown. That is coming off playing with a broken bone, basically, in his foot. He's been out. His first game back, completely torched 
Green Bay. The crossing routes. They've been in disaster all season all season long. Debo Samuel's still running. That's how wide open he was. And that's how he was able to get and cut through the middle of the field. Emmanuel Sanders cutting through the middle of the field. And that's frustrating right there. Okay? Seeing Emmanuel Sanders being productive for the 49ers is extremely frustrating. Because the 49ers recognized that they had a void, they had a need, they went out and they made a move for Emmanuel Sanders. And he's made an impact for that offense. Whereas Green Bay, who had the same exact void and needed a wide receiver, they go out instead, they sign Ryan Grant, who has yet to touch the field. I don't understand it. But seeing Sanders and seeing him be productive in that offense is frustrating. And it's even more frustrating when you see it happen against your own team. Luckily for Green Bay's defense, the Smith duo is still around. The Smith duo still comes up big. The Smith duo is able to get some pressure. Zadarius Smith getting a sack on Sunday. He's at 10, 10 and a half or 10. Both Smiths at double digits at this point. Can't ask for more. But guys got to step up. Kevin King got turned inside out on that wide open touchdown pass to George Kittle. Matt LaFleur defended King saying there was supposed to be some help there. There was nobody in sight. This team needs to be better. To put to put things in pers- into perspective, Zach Cruz, managing editor and writer for Packers uh, at, for the Packers Wire, um, he does a great job covering the team, and he has a, he's a great follow on Twitter. But to put things into perspective, he put out a tweet: "The power of coaching and defense." Okay, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady both have two games this season with thirty or more attempts and under five yards per attempt. Pretty terrible. The Packers are 0-2 and were outscored 63-19. The Patriots are 2-0 and they've won 16-10 and 17-10. That tweet is extremely telling. That is the difference between a good football team and a great football team. That is the difference between a playoff team and a Super Bowl contending team. And finally... Special teams. And we don't talk about special teams enough, but it seems like since J.K. Scott's punt was blocked, he's fell apart. He has been struggling mightily to flip the field position. And earlier in the season, we were praising him for how how well he was booting the ball downfield. And maybe you could have put the excuse, oh, it's getting cold in Lambeau. I mean, he had great conditions In San Fran, I think he averaged 35 yards a punt. Pathetic. Not good enough. Then you want to talk about the punt return game. The Packers have a league low, minus 11 total punt returns in 11 games this season. Yes, minus 11. You're hearing that correctly. They will shatter the NFL record. Their inability to flip field position is really hurting. It is really hurting this team. And those are the little things that not a lot of people may hone in on. But it's happening on such a consistent basis. And it's so obvious now that it's hard not to ignore how bad things have been. But I, You know what? But again, it goes to me, the most disappointing part about this loss 
the most disappointing part is just the lack of urgency. Again, here is a perfect opportunity. A perfect opportunity for Green Bay to go into this game, come off a bye. They're, they're, they're relatively healthy and really show that they could hang with the top teams in the NFC. And it's encouraging. It's good to see that Green Bay could beat up on the, on the lesser opponents. That's great. But that's not who they'll be playing a month from now. That's not who they will be playing in January. They have one month left to figure it out. They have a lot of work to do. Let's face it. They have a lot of work to do. This team needs to be better. Now, again, I, I've been poo-pooing on this team, but there's a lot still. There's, a, there's still positives here. There's still positives. There's still things that should encourage, should, that are encouraging. Even with the loss, you're still 8-3. You're still atop the NFC North. You're tied with the Vikings, but you have that tiebreaker advantage. So that earlier win in the season is huge. You look at Green Bay's remaining schedule. Giants, Redskins, Bears, Vikings, Lions. Not a tough remaining schedule. You're playing one team over 500. You got the Giants this week. They're horrible. Seven-game losing streak. You have the Redskins, another horrible team, who are 2-9. and nine. It seems Chicago is falling apart. Already good that you have one win against them. The Lions who will probably be without Matt Stafford that last week anyway. Not sure if the Lions officially have shut him down. But at one point you thought maybe Detroit would be a real test. They're sitting at 3-7-1. and And then you have that Minnesota matchup. Week 16, Monday Night Football. That could determine a lot. But the Packers have an easy schedule getting to 10 wins. And getting to 10-3 and three before finishing off the division. Not really out of the question at all. Winning 4 out of the 5 and finishing with 12 wins. Very realistic. You look at Minnesota's remaining schedule. At Seattle. Not an easy one. Versus the Lions. At the Chargers. Packers-Bears. Don't sleep Don't sleep on the Chargers in that road game. We saw what Green Bay did on the road against the Chargers. This upcoming weekend against the Seahawks is a huge game. This, this could say a lot about Minnesota. If they could go to Seattle and beat this team, that'll say a lot about them. So it's not it's not all bad. There's reason to be optimistic. The Packers should bounce back this week against the Giants. And again, they have the Redskins. They should be looking at 10 games. 10 games. Excuse me. They should be looking at 10 and 3. Before the final stretch here. 
Another reason to be optimistic, Aaron Rodgers. When you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers, and I know things aren't clicking, things don't look great, they don't look ideal right now, but when things are clicking, you got to be confident. You got to be confident that Rodgers will get them where they need to be. We've seen Rodgers pull the rabbit out of his hat. I don't think he has to do this in this final stretch by by any means. But in in the event that he has to, we've seen him do it before. You should feel confident when you guy when you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. And defensively, I think you could stay confident because of the consistency that you've gotten from either Preston Smith or Zadarius Smith, who those two signings have been instrumental and humongous for this team. And if it wasn't for those two guys, I don't know where this team would be. I think you could say that this team would be hovering around 500 if it wasn't for those two guys. That's how big of an impact that they've made on that defensive side of the ball. So as long as one of them or both of them continue to get after the quarterback, you're going to be okay. But overall, as a team, they need to wake up. They need to get back into the practice facilities. They need to watch the tape, maybe even burn the tape, and finish strong. If they want to be serious contenders, they got to finish strong. Again, this week, Green Bay, they go from West Coast to East Coast. They take on the Giants who are on a seven-game losing streak. This team's bad. This team is really bad. They're so banged up. They're so injured. Jabril Pepper's hurt now. Golden Tate in concussion protocol. Saquon Barkley hasn't been the same. I'm surprised the the Giants haven't shut him down. Who knows? Maybe by the time you listen to the podcast, they will. Evan Ingram's been out. They are so banged up. And the Packers need to bounce back. I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay comes into MetLife, wins by 10-plus with ease, if not more. And if they don't and they struggle against a bad Giants team, then I would start to worry as we head into December. If Green Bay struggles over the next two weeks against the Giants and the Redskins, I think you should start to panic before the postseason starts. I really think so. I I don't think that is out of the question whatsoever. Even with Brian Balaga out, Green Bay the next two weeks should cruise. And if they don't, I'm going to be concerned. Now, before we let you go, I'm feeling thankful. I'm happy that you guys have loved, you guys enjoy the podcast. I enjoy doing the podcast. So I will give you my three picks of the week. Let's start with my first game. I am taking the Colts minus two and a half against Tennessee. I can't believe how well Tennessee has played with Ryan Tannehill making that switch at quarterback. But the Indianapolis Colts are a better team. They're they're the home team. They've dominated against Tennessee in the past. They beat them earlier in the year. I like the way Jacoby Brissett and Frank Reich have been playing, despite the fact that they lost last week in in a really important game against the Texans. I wouldn't be too concerned. You You look at both rosters, the Colts are the better team. The fact that they were able to go on the road and beat the Titans earlier on, I think they could do it at home this week. 
And this one's a big one for the Colts. They want to keep fighting their second place for the AFC South. This is essentially a playoff game. They need to continue to win. I think they win with it with ease at home. Give me the Colts minus two and a half. My second game, I am going the Jacksonville Jaguars minus one at home against the Buccaneers. Now, say what you want about the Buccaneers. Say what you want about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, the Bucs had a big win, 35-22 against the Falcons. I am not buying the hype whatsoever. And yes, the Jaguars, even though Nick Foles is back, they are struggling. Three games, they've dropped three games in a row. This is a perfect opportunity for this defense to get back to where they usually are, get after Jameis Winston, force him to make mistakes, and Nick Foles will lead the Jacksonville Jaguars to a victory, take the Jags minus one. And my final pick of the week, I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Three home teams, but here's my dog. The Pittsburgh Steelers plus two at home against the Cleveland Browns. Hodges announced as the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm feeling even more confident with this plus two with Hodges being named the starter. Uh, Tomlin comes out today and says, you know, Hodges is the starter because he hasn't killed us. Little little jab at Mason Rudolph, but that's the truth. But more importantly, Pittsburgh wants this game. After what just happened in the first meeting between these two, I think it's going to be physical. I think it could get ugly. I expect Pittsburgh to come out with vengeance. I think Pittsburgh comes out and punches the Cleveland Browns right in their mouths. I think Pittsburgh is hungry to show that they're the stronger and they're the better football team, especially with what happened between Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. So give me the Pittsburgh Steelers plus two at home, and those are my picks of the week. Well, that will wrap up this episode of the Sharp Cheddar Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can listen via SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search Sharp Cheddar Podcast, subscribe, Do what you got to do to make sure you get the podcast. And again, have a wonderful and a healthy Thanksgiving. Make sure you eat. Make sure you eat a lot. Turkey, mashed potato, stuffing, gravy on everything. Not just the turkey, on everything. Give me a follow on Twitter at Joe, double underscore, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-O. And as always, go Pack Go.